Check, check, check. Welcome to Heck, Heck, Heck. This is Pepper Coyote. Uh, due to various scheduling issues, including my own, uh, we were originally going to have a, a guest on today uh, of Irish uh, origin. <laughs> That's a weird way to say it. I can't think of any less weird ways to say these things. Um, uh, instead, they will be joining us next time uh, in a couple of weeks. And hey, that'll be pretty close to the Good Friday proclamation. I'm going to talk about that. Hey, Irish history. Whoa, talk about imperialism. Ireland has lived under imperialism up until uh, right now. Even in fact, but like, they were at war in the freaking '90s between them and uh, the British Crown that wants to keep control of one of its colonies. It's just we don't think about it like that because we just think like, oh, different groups of white people. This isn't colonization. <laughs> oh well, you know, the Scottish also have, and the Welsh, and the <laughs> all have things to say about this. Anyway, all of that to say, I am alone today. I am alone and rambling. If this episode length looks shorter today, cool. That means I was relatively concise and got through all of my nonsense. If it's about an hour, <laughs> wow, I uh, sure can't shut the F up. I have an intro segment. <laughs> I don't, I don't really, there's, there's no points to these things I'm going to say. I just think they're funny. The uh, Fernal Equinox is happening at a convention in Toronto, and the only, the, not the, the, the thing I've seen come out of it today was somebody at the rave naked. So I, I just see an image that's photoshopped. It's, I think it's meant to look like uh, Attack on Titan. It's like one of the like floppy, because if you haven't seen Attack on Titan, this is not a spoiler. All the Titans are naked. They're <laughs> just naked, all slightly weird look, like off looking. They're all kind of like distorted, naked human bodies. They're also gigantic. <laughs> all the giants in that thing uh, are naked. <laughs> They're all flopping around a little bit. And I think they took an edit, <laughs> an edit of a still of a uh, one of those floppy giants from Attack on Titan, and uh, put like you know a caption over it, the brave burn in the background, and they're like, if you know, you know. So I'm like, well, now I need to know, <laughs> and I I find the video because of course there's video, and I'm not spreading it around because one, it's a video of a crime, and I <laughs> don't really. <laughs> not a crime that w committed violence on anyone except for their eyes but still uh, it is indeed illegal to go to the furry con rave or probably any rave uh and become entirely nude interesting things about this video so you start out you'll see the one video clip where it's just like person in like a toga they don't if you've been to furry cons, you know what I mean when I say they didn't look furry. Like, they didn't have the signifiers. They didn't have badges. They didn't have the signifiers. They might have been with the con. I don't, I'm not saying that they were, like, an outside agitator or whatever. But, like, even just from the starting clips when everyone is still on the dance floor, everyone's still kind of going, and they're, like, in the crowd, you can immediately tell, like, what what's happening with this person? Like, it didn't take me, oh, who's the one who's going to be naked in the later clips? <laughs> immediately, oh, that's the one. They're in what looked like a toga. No, I think it was a hotel bathrobe. Pretty sure it was hotel bathrobe. And uh, you'll see them dancing. And then security is just kind of standing near them. But they're probably, they're, I am not can't hear, but they're probably being like, hey, come on, like, we gotta go. Stop it. <laughs> like, they're not attacking them. Right? They're just standing there watching them. And then at some point, the, that robe comes flying off. And now they are full nude uh, dancing. And the thing that is remarkable about all of this is, uh, to me, 
was the skill with which they were dancing. <laughs> like, I assumed from the edit, from that uh, meme that let me know what was even happening, that, oh, it's like Attack on Titan. They're going to be just flopping around naked. It's going to be silly. A drunk person, somebody who's on some kind of pills, flopping around naked on dance floor. Uh, not good, but, you know, it, it, is, it has its brand of it. It has an element of entertainment to it. But no, this is like toned it's like they broke out of the Toronto ballet and then went over there. <laughs> they they were like very fit and they were doing moves, man. Like they were doing, uh, I, there was some ballet. I saw like leg lifts and turns that were done in a way where you, you can kind of tell when somebody's can actually, if you watch me do a leg lift and a turn, it's going to look nothing like this. They do the thing where they do the backward melt, like from toe tips back to their fingertips and then back up. And the, like, this is somebody who either has some kind of training or is just a skilled dancer otherwise. And it's not what you're looking for. It's it's as if, it's like if somebody did streaking on the field at a, a sports game, but they were freaking incredible. They were athletic. They were flying. They were jumping. Over, they were hurdling security guards, like stiff arm people. <laughs> or if they run on, like in a baseball game, grab a bat and hit a home run <laughs> and then get tackled by security. It's like, all right. I, the, the naked person dancing being a disturbance, not the most shocking thing. The fact that they were dancing competently, slightly shocking. You may have heard or may have not heard, this was strangely not in the news, especially considering the kinds of people I'm usually watching and talking to on the internet and the topics we discuss. I am surprised how little I've heard about this. Did you know that, like, one of the shittiest people in Congress, probable rapist and or child trafficker, uh, bad person in general, Matthew Gates, Matt Gates, a Republican representative from Florida, he introduced a bill that I highly agreed with. What? What could it be? Is it like fucking around with gay people? Is it kicking trans people out of bathrooms? No, obviously not. <laughs> what did he introduce that I actually agreed with? Uh, he introduced a resolution to withdraw U.S. troops from Syria. Yes, we're still at war with Syria. Not with Syria. Just kind of, We're kind of just occupying the part of it that has all the oil in it. You can... Like you can go back and find one of the funniest clips you can find of Trump is they ask Trump, they're like, oh, what's going on in Syria? And, and he says, paraphrasing here, like, don't worry, we're leaving troops in Syria for the oil. They are only there for the oil. That's verbatim. He says, we are, they are only there for the oil. It's our oil and we are going to protect that oil. Like he just goes on for like a couple of sentences, like the oil, the oil, the oil, we have troops for the oil and people got mad. I think mostly cause that was a time when he was telling the truth. Like he, he gets out. He doesn't accidentally tell the truth. He just doesn't know what secrets he's not supposed to like, Hey man, you're not supposed to say that part out loud. I know we do the briefings where you tell you this shit, but you're not supposed to just then repeat that to the American people. <laughs> That's why uh, the establishment hates Trump so much. They don't care that he's racist and shitty and bad in other ways. They care that he occasionally will tell the truth uh, on things that are important and kind of expose, you know, the, the scam that war is. So let me talk about Gates' resolution to withdraw the U.S. troops from Syria. I'm reading from The Hill, because I like to diversify my sources. I also got some people joining me in the chat. I am po 
pasting the link there if you want to read along at home. These are some of the benefits you can get. If you join our Patreon, give me a dollar a month, and you listen to these recordings live, you can read the articles along with me live. Eh, I don't really have a great place to be pasting my articles, and I think I start doing that in descriptions, people will get mad at me. Anyway, this is from The Hill, because I like to have diverse sources, including bad ones, which is most of the corporate media. A resolution to force the withdrawal of U.S. troops from Syria within, within six months failed to pass the House on Wednesday. Shocking. Very sorry to disappoint everybody there. We're not leaving Syria. We still want the oil. When I say we, I mean the United States oligarchy. The resolution, sponsored by Rep. Matt Gates uh, and em- emphatically backed by several more conservative lawmakers, including Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and Representative Andy Biggs, keep these names in mind so you can find who uh, is now to the left of the Democrats on, v- on some issues, at least on war. The resolution was supported by 56 Democrats and 47 Republicans, while 150 Democrats, 171 Republicans voted against the resolution. So you still have the majority of Republicans voting uh against leaving Syria and you still have the majority of Democrats voting against (laughs) leaving Syria. Roughly 900 U.S. troops remain in Syria. Here come some lies. Where they carry out operations to counter ISIS. I'm sure we're just fighting terror and that's it. Although the U.S. designated terrorist group has lost much of its territory, it still has a presence in Syria and maintains its sleeper cells. So we have to stay in Syria forever because we've heard there's at least one terrorist still around there. All of my Iraq war remembering millennials are rolling their eyes right now. Heck, I think it's like the 20th anniversary around today-ish of uh, the United States military operations in Iraq, commonly known as the Iraq war, that we all agree is bad and dumb and was for money and economics, and then we killed a million Iraq. uh, uh, We killed a million people, (laughs) like civilians, some civilians, some, some, I'm sure at least one of them was whatever a terrorist is. A terrorist is when uh, somebody from across the entire world comes into your country and starts killing people, and then you defend yourself. That's what a terrorist is, at least sometimes. The Florida lawmaker, talking about Gates still, also argued... Oh, I'm, uh, I'm ahead of myself. On the House floor, Gates said American troops in Syria were trapped in a, quote, hellscape of war and meddling from various foreign nations, and the American counterterrorism operations in the country have no end in sight. Wow. The Florida lawmaker also argued that ISIS forces in Syria do not represent a serious threat to the U.S., and so the soldiers should be withdrawn. You know, it's that Reddit meme where it's like the worst person you know just made a great point. On this particular issue, Matt Gates is completely correct. So often we come to the floor and we debate frivolities. We're, we're quoting Gates here. This is one of the most important things we can be talking about, Gates said. How we, uh, how we use the credibility of our fellow Americans. How we spill the blood of our bravest patriots. We have stain, stained the deserts in the Middle East with enough American blood. It is time to bring our service members home. Now, as you hear from that paragraph, we, there's different rationalizations where if you asked me why we should leave Syria, I'll talk about imperialism. If you ask Matt Gates why we should leave Syria, he'll give you some vague because it's bad to have soldiers dying there. And really, like he's not going to say this, but I think it's because Matt Gates would rather have American patriots dying in like fighting the Chinese or something. It's not that he wants to end all war. He just doesn't like this one because it's super unpopular and it's very easy to win political points based off of this. Imagine if we had a wing of our government that was supposed supposedly anti-war and all about this. Imagine the kind of points that they could gain. Imagine the amount of victories they could win going against an extraordinarily unpopular war that most Americans don't even know is fucking happening. Imagine if like that tactic were used. 
Opponents of the legislation, so pro-war people, uh, said it was vital to rev- to review the U.S. presence in Syria, but that withdrawing from the country would threaten Americans by allowing foreign terrorist groups like ISIS to strengthen. So, like, if you, if history started last year, I'm sure these make these sentences make sense to you. But like, I was born in 1991. I lived through lived through and was aware of one, lived through two, was aware of one, uh, Middle East interventions just in my childhood. And, and we sure did stop all the terror. There's just no terrorists at all. You realize ISIS came into existence because of American interventions in the Middle East. Like before that, you had Al-Qaeda, you had like the Mujahideen effing around in, uh, in Afghanistan. But when we talk about terrorist groups, we're almost always referring to either uh, groups that the CIA backed directly or that we create because when you go in and shoot everybody's family, it creates a group of people who fucking hate you. Saying fuck a lot today. Sorry, everybody. Uh, Not safe for work edition. (laughs) I should just call that the title of the episode. Saying a lot of swears in this one. Representative Gregory Meeks, a Democrat from New York, the ranking Democrat on the House Foreign Relations Committee. So this is the guy who actually like makes decisions or at least has some kind of like relatively maximum influence over this kind of crap in the House, said he does not support an indefinite presence in Syria, but the resolution was premature, not yet, and would leave part partner forces, quote, out to dry. That argument was backed by Representative Joe Wilson, Republican South Carolina, who said a withdrawal would lead to a much larger, more complex problem at a higher cost and threat to Americans worldwide. We don't need to repeat 9-11. They actually did it. They, I didn't have to make the joke. They just actually, with no irony, look, look you in the face and say, if we don't stay in Syria protecting oil and economic interests, 9-11 will happen again. There might be 9-11 times 100. It would be funny if they weren't saying it with a completely straight face and then planning on taking a shit ton of your money to build a bomb to throw at Syrians. Gates introduced the resolution in February after four U.S. troops and one working dog were injured during a raid in Syria. (laughs) At first I was going to be like, why are you talking about the dog? I'm like, it does make it a lot sadder (laughs) saying that there is also a dog. Obviously human life I care about. I I don't want any soldiers. I don't want any humans to be dying for stupid military exercises anywhere. But the fact that they're also like, ah, let's throw some dogs out there too. It's like, (laughs) even matter somehow. The bill was later amended from requiring a withdrawal after an accident from 15 days to 180 days. Originally, Gates rolled in. He's like, if this passes, you got 15 days to get the hell out of Syria or declare war. It doesn't even say, like, this resolution is that we can never do anything in Syria ever. It's that you either have to withdraw troops or properly declare war, which is Congress's job. And as we all know, the United States hasn't technically been in a war since World War II. So, ha Why do I care? What do I want to talk? Actually, let me let me pull this out. Rollcall.com. Is this it? Because I, I only tw- I just want to see the list. I want to see who voted for what. Because some of the squad members who said they were going to go to D.C. and attempt to get us out of these endless wars uh, that are entirely economic, they they voted to leave Syria. They did the thing that I was shocked. I'm like, oh my god, they actually voted for a thing. I mean, keep in mind if they thought it was going to pass, like if the Democrats thought they were that uh. If the Democrats thought that that bill was going to pass, had any threat of passing, you bet your ass they would have made sure every single squad member voted present or in favor of staying in Syria. Who do you want to look up? Tlaib, how'd she vote? Okay, let me see. Oh, Rashida Tlaib. She voted to leave Syria. Fantastic. But Cori Bush. 
Corey Bush voted to leave. Oh my God. How about AOC? Come on. Yeah, she voted to leave. Nancy Pelosi didn't run over and make her cry and scare her out of voting for like the obviously correct choice. So what am I even talking about? Like, what is my point? Yeah, a thing that would have been good didn't happen another day in American government. Well, here is my point. We are told over and over and over how we are not allowed to do good things if it involves anyone we consider bad. Oh, like, there's a the freaking, whose quote is this? Frederick Douglass. I want to start with like this, the Frederick Douglass quote. I would unite with anybody to do good and with nobody to do bad. When we vote to fund these wars, when we vote to increase the military budget, I say we, when the House of Representatives and our, our the Democrats, when, when our, I only talk about the Democrats because they are the ones who say they are anti-war. They're the ones who say they want to improve the lives of us, the normal working Americans, the 99.99 repeating percent of uh, really citizens of the entire world. They, they're supposed to represent us, right? They're supposed to be, when they campaign, they say the Iraq war was bad and dumb and you are a fool and should be damned forever for voting to fund it and to go to it well the squad who i point out because they are the most progressive members of the quote-unquote progressive party they are never condemned for voting with republicans for voting with your matt gates's your marjorie taylor actually taylor green votes against this stuff usually when they vote for war funding to increase military budgets to spend all of our hard-earned productivity dollar like the 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 our profit of our labor as uh as american workers they vote with them to fund those wars all the time and nobody says you may never vote for them ever again. They've now voted for war. They voted with the bad people. They voted with Matt Gates and other shitty Republicans. Therefore, they are bad. They're out. They're they're canceled. They are removed. They're going to be removed from polite progressive society. And we should now start dunking on AOC and the squad and all that. No, that does not happen because people just don't pay attention. <laughs> they just don't really actually care. They aren't actually consistent. Uh, and like. I'm not even putting this blame on voters. I'm not trying to say like, oh, you big dummy, like all oh, workers, you idiots, you keep doing the wrong, you keep thinking the wrong thoughts. And that's why things are bad. Cause that's not what I believe. The whole media apparatus gets behind this to, to make, make you either not see it or only see like, look, here is a good thing that happened. It is curious that many people would probably condemn those same representatives for voting with a Matt Gates or uh, other people considered bad to oppose war. Why is it okay to unite to make a war, but we are not soci socially, we're not like socially allowed, you'll get shit on the internet, to unite with people we disagree with on many other things to oppose war. I would unite with anybody to do good and nobody to do bad. I feel like I make this, it's not even a plea, I feel like I make this point every other week. As workers, if we do not unite, we do not take power. Yes, this is going to include workers who have bad thoughts, workers who do not line up with your morals. That's fine, because we're not uniting with them to ban gayness. We're not uniting with them to kill trans people. If that's what we're organizing about, yeah, goodbye, you can't. You can't organize with us because you're like antithetical to our goals. If we are opposing a war... Imagine being like, we need to stop nuclear war, but not with not with that guy. That guy has to get like those people have to get out of here. 
the only way that we gain power is by collectivizing, by by organizing outside of the of the single political party we have that is the owning class party. If we do not unite against them, there is no possibility of any kind of progress happening. No possibility of of anything good coming out of government. <laughs> How have we got every? thing that we could point to in American history as like an advance, like a social advancement. The rabble got together, the workers got together and scared the owners enough that the owners changed some stuff. That's not it. That can't be the end point, but it is how stuff gets started. Like the only reason minimum wage goes up, the only reason child labor got rid of, the only reason we have a weekend, all the stuff, 40 hour work week, is because a bunch of people got together and, ha- and died in Chicago, like in a huge riot, and the cops beat a bunch of people to death and open fired and shit. Like the owners were scared of a revolt. <laughs> so they're like, okay, you can have a little bit more extra stuff. And then once you get start getting that, you just don't stop. You just keep rolling around, and then the people become the government and you and you get a socialism. I absolutely do not agree with Matt Gates on probably most political things. The fact that he happens to be voting against a war, you can't be like, no, now, now I like that war. <laughs> like, <laughs> if Hitler says one plus one equals two, that doesn't make it untrue. And it also doesn't make him a good person who is like, who knows all of the things and should be listened to as some kind of expert or authority figure. Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene consistently vote against war while the representatives from the the good party, the party that's supposed to be the anti-war party, supposed to be the pro-worker party, vote for war. Maybe both parties only serve the owning class <laughs> and we have to abandon them essentially. Heck, people are starting to drum up Marianne Williamson and treat her like she's going to be the new Bernie Sanders. Really? Think that's going to work? She's pro-war. She is, and she will not even hint that maybe the United States should uh, stop fucking around with most of the countries in the world. <sighs> All right, this is uh, actually a, a semi decent transition. Uh, I've. Here's a guy who's canceled. Uh, <laughs> fucking everybody's canceled. Here's here's a guy who they'll tell you is evil and wrong and you should never listen to. I do not agree with Jimmy Dore on everything, but on this freaking issue, I think he puts it really well. This is taken out of a, a, a conversation where we're talking about like what political issues get traction and what to don't. And my God, like Dore is not a not a communist. He is not a socialist. I don't think he's read Marx. He he never he never shit talks communists. He'll bring up be like, yeah, we were there with the blah and the communists. And blah. Like <laughs> but listen to the point he makes here about uh what. What uh, what issues are allowed to even be discussed and why? Why are those issues always front and center in our culture? Because the corporate media pushes those things. Why? Because they're a good way to divide the country. And that's all the establishment has. And also, they'd rather have you talking about that than talking about the fact that both political parties don't represent workers. That's why this. That's why they're talking about this. That's why corporations embrace uh, identity politics or and all this kind of focus and hyper focus on these kind of cultural issues. Why do corporations embrace it? Because it doesn't cost them anything to do it and they know they're screwing their own workers and so it makes them look woke. It makes them look lefty. It makes them look virtuous. 
And that's why the Democrats are so they they put the kente cloths around their necks and they take a knee and then they go and vote for another goddamn police department and they fund it to two billion dollars to go crush down more black people. So that's do you see why they do. It's all symbolism and they want to keep us fighting over that stuff. They want us. The Democrats want to keep us fighting over Black Lives Matter, even though they just invented a new goddamn police thing and funded it to two billion dollars. They don't give a shit. You would think that's something Trump would have done after a summer of Black Lives Matters rioting. No, that's what the Democrats did. So that's why we're all talking about all this stuff. And you should always keep that in mind. The reason why we're talking about all this stuff is because the Democratic Party and the Republicans, but the Democratic Party decided to turn their backs on workers. And now all they have left, you remember when Chuck Schumer said, for every blue collar worker we lose in cities, we're going to gain two and three white collar voters in the suburb. And that's what their party is about. Their party is about college educated white collar voters who are conservative. <laughs> we have two conservative right center, uh, right wing parties in America. The, the Democratic Party is nothing is not left. And so I just that's why we that's why this is every day people are talking about this because AOC, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, uh, they all would rather talk about identity politics than talk about how they're screwing over the people of East Palestine, screwing over the railroad workers, not giving you a $15 minimum wage, not giving you health care. And they're sending $100 billion to in the most corrupt country in Europe while people sleep under every bridge in America. So that's why they'd rather talk about woke woke stuff and identity politics just so you know that's the whole point of that companies like these topics because it doesn't cost them anything to do it and it's all they have we have to be stuck forever in unwinnable unproductive arguments about individuals about each other about you're not doing it right you fellow worker are not doing this right you're not doing this right i'm like you because that's all they have no one is walking around with, we're going to do this thing that helps all of you because they won't and they can't. Anybody who does is smashed by the corporatocracy and <laughs> or becomes like a Bernie Sanders AOC type where they just get brought into the fold and, and they become like part of the brand that is progressivism while doing nothing. AOC today, not, well, this week, AOC this week was hyping up a military recruitment party. Like, that's what she's out there doing. Good. Great job, progressives. You are the new neocons, are the fucking Democrats. Okay. Remember, uh, a lot of you are probably Democrat voters. I do not mean you. I don't mean the individual people. You're getting blasted in the face with more propaganda than almost anybody else in the world. We're like the most propagandized nation, and we the, people don't even freaking feel it. <laughs> it's like if you asked a fish, like, what are we swimming in? They'd be like, oh, what do you mean? <laughs> it's We're in the water, and we've been in it so long, we don't see it. The plot of the Matrix, anyway. <laughs> That's... <laughs> One more thing, I'm sure it'll be really short, like everything else I talk about. <laughs> Wouldn't be me if I didn't talk about China, right? What's China doing now? Making a delicious pasta? Building a road? 
building a large wall that can be seen from space. I think it's really funny that, you know, the, the thing, the, the little like ism you'll hear where it's like, oh yes, the great wall of China. It's one of, one of the only man-made structures that can be seen from space. And then you look it up and it's like one, it's not super easy to see from space. And also there's a shit ton of stuff you can see from space. That's man-made. Like you can see the pyramids, you can see, what is it? Those the huge mounds built by native people. in I think it's like central, like central North us, around the Dakotas where they would just build miles long, just big piles of dirt, just mounds and they been into shapes and symbols and stuff. And they're like some of the largest man-made objects from like the pre-industrial age. And you can see those from space. <laughs> it's just funny how pretty much everyone has been told that and it's just wrong. But a uh, thing China's doing, I'm just going to read from it. This is Time Magazine. In the pantheon of intractable, visceral conflicts, the feud between Iran and Saudi Arabia sits below few, rooted in doctrine, enmeshed in history, and waged via proxies across the Middle East. So, as Yemen, Yemen is one of the proxies, you hear about the Yemen war, it's a way for the Saudi Arabia and Iran to fight each other as a proxy. So, as a way of establishing your peace-building chops, it's not a bad place to start. The, the, the headline of this, by the way, is China just brokered a historic truce between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Can it do Ukraine next? This is, again, Time Magazine. Friday's agreement signed in Beijing that reestablished diplomatic relations between Tehran and whew, Riyadh. I think it's pronounced Riyadh. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> After seven years of bitter rancor, man, you got a lot of $10 words up here, Time Magazine. After seven years of bitter rancor has cast China in an unfamiliar role as global truce broker. It's a development that signifies President Xi Jinping's new willingness to leverage his economic clout in third-party negotiations, thereby explicitly rejecting his the former... Mm, explicitly rejecting former reformist leader Deng Xiaoping. His non-interventionist mantra, hide your strengths, bide your time. Xi appears to have personally played a part brokering the Iran-Saudi deal, visiting the Saudi capital in December and hosting Iran's president in Beijing last month. Why does this matter? Why does this matter in a way that Time Magazine is definitely not going to paint it? First, it's very funny. It's funny. It's interesting how they talk about it. It's like, wow, President Xi is taking this whole surprise new sudden course. It's like, this is but what China has been saying it's going to do forever. Deng Xiaoping, his whole thing, hide your strength, bide your time. It's like build up the economy. That's like the made in China era where when we were kids, every single thing was made in China. And China today has a larger industrial center than the United States. It is the largest industrial center in the world. Period. That's like, and since China has become the largest industrial power in the world, they have a lot of economic sway. And again, if you like look, read and look through it, this is like part of what the plan has been for a while. Become extremely sound industrially, get your, uh, your productive forces built up. And it's, it's frankly, that's how socialism is supposed to work. If you, if you read the literature, People will talk about how China, China's not actually socialist. They're this, there's something else. And then you look at what they're doing and look at what a socialist country would do if it could. And that's 
what they're doing. They've built up their industrial base. Like Vietnam's kind of doing the same thing, but with like a kind of market blend socialism. They, they're building up their industrial, their ability to do and make things without anyone else's help because that increases your sovereignty. It makes it so it's really hard for people to mess with you. If they say, we're just going to stop exporting, it's like, you're going to stop what? You need, you get everything from us. What are you possibly going to do? And everyone's like, good point, China. <laughs> so, if I say the petrodollar, the U.S. dollar petro meaning gas saudi arabia signed a deal with the u.s a while ago uh that all transactions for oil would be done in u.s dollars you can see how this would hugely benefit the dollar and the united states by proxy that then forces uh all countries that want to use oil meaning all countries it incentivizes them to keep a bunch of u.s dollars around because whenever they do a big gas order they have to use dollars this keeps the dollar very stable. It's basically become like the de facto world currency because how are you going to devalue it that much? That would fuck up the entire world's ability to buy a resource that they all want and need. Saudi Arabia getting more friendly with China means it's more likely that that deal will go away and they will start doing transactions either in uh, whoever's like whatever your local currency is but that's scary because people's currency like what if you're zimbabwe that fam famously had like the billion dollar notes and get crazy inflation then you want to go buy oil and it becomes this whole like oh god it's almost like bitcoin where if, have you heard about where if you try to do a bitcoin transaction by the time it actually processes your coins might be worth like less or more or so oh. so like even doing a transaction is fucking miserable so the petro yuan china's currency yuan is on the table now that's a possibility saudi arabia keeps its tenuous relationship with the u.s due to economics and the united states has a history of just kind of we just stoke these fires like we provide the weapons to fight the war in yemen that is the a proxy war between saudi arabia and iran so now if those two are signing they didn't sign like a we'll never touch each other deal but they did agree to resume negotiations which i'm hopeful for like regardless of all of my bullshit all of my personal leanings and biases and my inclination towards socialism uh I just want people in Yemen to be able to go to sleep at night and expect to wake up not in a blown up house or uh, to not wake up at all. I think it is a, a great good for the entire world for any of these wars to stop. Anytime a war stops, I'm happy with that. Hopefully, and uh, unless you work for Raytheon or something, you probably agree with me. Heck, even if you work for Raytheon, you probably agree with me. It's unless you like manage and uh, own Raytheon, you would not agree with me. Raytheon is a weapons manufacturer. So this is like in a weird way, good news that might not seem like good news, depending on how you think about it. I would love if there was some more stability around the world. We have seen the result of United States imperialism being... A, we started today talking about Syria, a country we are in explicitly for its oil. Our freaking former president just came out and said it, and they were furious with him for doing it. How many other conflicts around the world, and in the Middle East especially, uh, are are just like that? Are economic wars, proxy wars that we're just kind of keeping going because it benefits our war industry it helps it helps us maintain domination economically over the entire world let alone these little countries in the middle east what are they gonna what's what's freaking iraq gonna do 
9-11 was like <laughs> the closest to any kind of like direct retaliation. And even that just made us mad. And then we came back and killed a million people as retaliation. A million people who uh, lived in not the country of uh, the people who did 9-11 who were mostly Saudi and organized in Afghanistan. And then we blew up Iraq. You know what I'm saying. You already, I don't even have to, I could have just said the first sentence of that conversation. You would have filled in the blanks if you're around my age, if you're a millennial, if you're younger. Yeah, that's what happened. Like, <laughs> how much good worldwide would come of stopping those kinds of conflicts? Because it's not that China's coming in because they're some angel savior that only, like just wants to like bless everyone. Oh yes, hello. I am I am a spirit of pure holiness. That's not what it is either. They are, like, the, like Time Magazine says, they're leveraging economics. These deals are mutually beneficial for them. Like, it would be hugely beneficial for China if suddenly everybody's doing gas deals in Yuan. Uh, it also, like, opens up the possibility for further trade relations, which is also what the United States wants when we go in and do a war on somebody. But maybe this approach that China is trying, where you don't do a war, <laughs> where you skip the war part, and instead, like, together, we will, like, I'll do this deal, you do that deal. Hey, handshake, woo, like... It's not even handshake. There's paperwork and legalities and all this stuff. But is, isn't it worth a try? <laughs> They're all joining BRICS, the Economic Alliance, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. That's the last one. Mexico has applied to join BRICS. Uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran, I'm pretty sure, have both applied to join BRICS. A lot of countries. You'll hear the phrase, the American century. Well, the American century may be coming to a close, and stuff like this, where China is now brokering peace deals after the U.S. fucked around in a region for decades and decades and decades. Wow, we never got that peace deal. I guess it doesn't work. Our tactics don't seem to work. Perhaps we should try different tactics. Our level of influence will just gradually decrease, and the US, I fully expect the American owning class to fight this shit tooth and nail and possibly try to drag us into a nuclear war about it. This is why, in a, like either you're already hearing it, but you're going to hear more and more about how evil China is, how China's killing babies in the streets, and we got to get over there and take them out. It is funny how, uh, I keep saying funny when I mean interesting. It is interesting that like one of the biggest criticisms you'll hear against China is that they mistreat Muslims, the Uyghur Muslims in the region of China that's you know historically Islamic, and they've had terror like they've had terrorism attacks, they've had people blow themselves up like, and the reaction has been to uh, the reaction from the Chinese government has been to like basically do education centers and they are forcibly taking people from their homes. I'm not going to say it's entirely propaganda that, that no one has been like, you have to come with us and come to the, the re-education facility. That has absolutely happened. I would not deny that. Uh, I would, I would deny that we're just, that they're just like doing concentration camps and just gassing all the Muslims and killing everyone. Like I <laughs> think Saudi Arabia and Iran are going to be like, wow, China, we, we've seen your treatment of Muslims and we'd love to enter into economic pacts with you. <laughs> Like, it does kind of do a bit to damage that reputation. And I won't say that China doesn't think about that. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they're like, hey, everybody keeps shitting on us because of the treatment of Muslims. Let's, let's broker a peace deal between two nations that have been in conflict, like, as long as anybody can remember. I think it's good. And I think that the war in Yemen ending would be very good. And that's... That's really my whole point in bringing this up.
The question now, going back to Time Magazine, is whether China is willing to step up to play a central role in negotiating a settlement in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. On Tuesday, the Wall Street Journal reported that Xi is due to have a video call with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, their first direct conversation since Russia invaded more than a year ago. After first meeting with Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin in Moscow, possibly as early as next week. That might have actually happened, I'm not sure. This is a few days old article. The mere fact that China is involving itself in different conflicts and trying to affect such peace deals is a significant development, says Jonathan Sullivan, director of China programs at the Asia Research Institute of UK's Nottingham University. Long title. Maybe China feels the time is right to put its diplomatic and economic clout behind the rhetoric. Until now, rhetoric is all Beijing had to offer. With great fanfare, Beijing announced last month it would unveil a peace proposal to end the war in Ukraine. We talked about that. But the 12-point plane was a risable mix of platitudes, such as cease hostilities. <laughs> yeah, man, it'd be better if, we're, if they were saying shit like, fight to the last Ukrainian. That's a way better platitude to throw around, right? Than, uh, don't do that. I know which platitude I would pick. Uh, the 12-point plan was a risable mix of platitudes such as cease hostilities and improve humanitarian conditions alongside the by now obligatory rebuke of the U.S. for its Cold War mentality. What do you mean by now obligatory? Stop doing it. <laughs> According to Maria Shagina, a fellow senior, a senior fellow, a fellow senior at high school. According to Maria, <clears throat> wow, I can't freaking speak. According to Maria Shagina, a senior fellow specializing in economic sanctions, standards, and strategy at the Internal Institute for Strategic Studies, China floated the peace plan for its own sake rather than for some genuine meditation, for some genuine mediation. <laughs> However, the Iran-Saudi deal has prompted recalibration. Wow, I can't believe all these Western academics are shitting on this. The two Gulf countries are historic rivals due to differing interpretations of the Quran and have been especially at loggerheads, so many $10 words, after Iran's 1979 re revolution ushered in a Shia Muslim theocracy. They severed ties in... 2016, after Saudi Arabia executed a prominent Shia scholar, while their competing spheres of influence manifest in bloody conflicts in Syria, Lebanon, and elsewhere. The eight-year Yemen war, in particular, is being fought between Tehran-backed Houthi rebels and a military co coalition led by Riyadh in support of the government. The last time these two were about to maybe have some peace talks, that's when Trump had that general killed. That pissed everybody off, and they uh, canceled those peace talks. So... If you think I'm, like, giving Trump too much credit in today's episode, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. <clears throat> he didn't start any new wars, but he continued the ramp up for the wars we have now. Holy crap, it has been a fun time talking to myself in my own room. Thank you very much for joining me. This has been Last Minute Politics. I gotta get the heck out of here. Bye. Only 45 minutes.